introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. All right, welcome back to the One a Day Draft series. We finally made it. We are here. We are with the final position group. And of course, you know, we got to bring back the man, the myth, the legend, the hardest working person on draft Twitter to round out the series. We started with QB1. We end with QB1. JR, my man, how you doing? How you been? Good, man. Count down the days until the draft. I'm glad we're officially only a few days away. So I'm excited about that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, uh, we're not going to, you know, we're not, we're not going to hype this thing up too much more than we already have here. We have one more position group to, to go. It is the edge rushers. And so we're just going to jump right into this thing here. Uh, edge is, a, is an interesting position because I feel like it's one where uh, oftentimes the uh, the amateur analytics people such as myself tend to put a lot of stock into things that maybe don't show up on film as much. They really will get caught up in athleticism. As Vikings fans in particular, we do often maybe overvalue or overestimate, you know, athleticism because we've been so spoiled with, you know, athletic players coming in at the edge position and doing well. But you, I know that you're a purist at heart. You go to the film first. So when you are evaluating edge players and looking at the ones that, you know, should be taken by a team, what are you looking at beyond the obvious, you know, is he athletic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, so the first thing I look at is really just technique. How good is their technique and how well diverse are they? Meaning that are they good against the run or are they just a one-trick pony or are they just a pass rusher? So that's something that you have to take into concern or into context. And there's some guys that exemplify both that have that versatility. And there's some guys that are that one trick pony type of mold. So hand usage is another thing that's really that I pay a lot of attention to detail to because it's so hard to teach, but it's something that can be developed over time, but it takes a lot of time to develop that type of stuff. And some guys are crafty and just born with the God given ability to do that. And they already possess it while other guys, they just, are so used to out-athleting offensive linemen, so they never had to use their hands, and they use their speed or athleticism as a crutch in order to beat those guys. So just technique and hand usage are definitely the two things that I key in on. All right. Well, with that said, let's get to it. The edge class, uh, I'm not sure. This is uh, hasn't been one that I've heard be as, as, as hotly debated as maybe classes in the past. When you're looking at this one, I guess, what are your thoughts on the class overall before we really jump into uh, you know, day one, two, and three? I think it's a bit uh, top-heavy, I will say that. I think there's a bit of a steep drop-off after day one, but there are some good players in it. But once again, you're getting to your one-way type of guys or guys that are just lacking in a total or an area completely. So I'll just start at the top. That Nick Bosa definitely is one of the top guys or the top edge rusher in this draft class. And after that, you probably go with Josh Allen, who probably is going to end up being a top five to top eight type of selection. I still think he'll fall in that area. Montez Sweat, who there's been a lot of scrutiny about lately just because of the heart condition. And then you're getting into Rashawn Gary and Cleveland Farrell and Brian Burns. And then after that, that's really where your drop-off starts to happen. You're getting into those second-tier guys like a Chase Winovich, uh, Christian Miller, um, it's another guy, O'Shane Zimenez, guys of that nature. And then Ja'Kai Polite is another guy that's really suffered 
a huge drop here lately after his pre-draft process debacle. So I would say it's top heavy, but there are some players in that second and third tier, but they're lacking in a lot of areas that I talked about earlier. All right. Well, you gave us a lot of names there. Help me understand where these names should go. Day one, I think it's uh, one of the few things that hasn't been debated really at all. Nick Bose is at the top of most people's list, but uh, who else do you have uh, coming in for day one? I think there's six guys that definitely will go on the first day, and that's Bosa, Josh Allen, Montez Sweat, Rashawn Gary, Cleveland Farrell, and Brian Burns. I think all those guys would definitely go uh, in the top half of the draft. I think they'll all end up being top 25 picks for the most part. Bosa's probably going to end up being the second overall selection to the 49ers, but after that, I think it gets really interesting. We'll see where Josh Allen does end up going. I know the Giants at six are definitely a fit for him. And there's been some steam that he could slip past the Jets at three and the Raiders at four, depending on what happens with Ed Oliver and Quentin Williams, who are very talented interior rushers. So uh, after that, I think there's probably you're getting into that second tier guys like Montez Sweat. We'll see what happens with him. There's been some rumors out there that he may slip out of the first round completely. And he's off some teams' boards completely as well just because of the heart condition that's going on with him. So there's going to be mixed reviews and opinions about him. Rashawn Gary, we know he's one of the most polarizing prospects in this draft class just because he has all the traits in the world. But the hot and cold motor and his limited production will probably turn off a lot of teams. But there will be some teams that think they have the secret recipe in order to get the best out of him. But Cleveland Farrell seems to be the guy that's really forgotten about in this draft class. And I think it's because he's been injured. He's had a toe injury. He wasn't able to participate in the pro day or at the combine. So we don't have testing numbers on him. So there's going to be some teams that aren't willing to take the risk with him. But I think of most of the prospects in this first and second tier, he probably has the highest floor of any of them. And he's a safe prospect in my opinion. Now he doesn't have the pass rush upside of some of these guys do just because he's not able to bend and corner like some of the guys like Nick Bosa and Sweat and even Brian Burns to an extent. So, But I think he's going to end up being a consistent 8-10 to 10 sack a year type of guy. Uh, but he doesn't possess the upside that some of these pass rushers do. And he's not as well-rounded as some of these guys either, but I think he has a very high floor. All right, and there's one name in there that uh obviously very talented, but I'm just very curious about because you mentioned Rashawn Gary, and he's a player that I've seen – Sometimes with the edge, sometimes with the the D tackle, sometimes as a three tech, sometimes as a you know uh, a traditional, I guess you know, you know defensive end. When you're evaluating him, where where do you think he projects best when you look at him at the next level? I graded him as a defensive tackle, and I say that because I just don't think he has the bend to hold up as a defensive end. And I know Cameron Jordan has been the common comparison for him, but I don't think he's. I don't want to say quite as explosive as Cam Jordan because he is as far as a testing standpoint. But from an in-game perspective, I don't think he's quite as explosive or as bendy as Cam Jordan was coming out. And the motor concerns just really put me off about him. I think he's my 31st ranked prospect overall, and I gave him an early second round grade. And I just like him better along the interior just because I think he has very powerful hands and he has really good hand usage. And his bend won't be as glaring of a weakness along the interior just because he's not going to be bending as much because he's holding up against double teams, which is something that he's shown to be able to do. It's just a matter of him playing 100% throughout games and him getting with a demanding position coach that can get the best out of him consistently on a down-to-down basis. Okay, so my follow-up to that question is you think he's best at a at, at D-tackle. 
but I also noticed that you are including him with the defensive ends. Do you think that's where the NFL is going to project him? Yeah, I think so. Just because I think he's a bit scheme diverse. I think some team, a three, four team might try to play him at that four hour, four technique position, uh, which I think would be a mistake. I don't think he is consistently can hold up at that, but if he plays as a four, three defensive end, I think some teams will value him highly there. I just think his ceiling is much greater along the interior because of his explosiveness. Awesome. 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 Well, let's move things along here. Day two. Who are the prospects that we should know? Now you're getting into the second tier guys like DeAndre Walker, uh, Christian Miller, Chase Winovich, O'Shane Zimenez, and even Ja'Kai Polite and also Charles Menehu, who has been a popular name as well. So there's a lot of intriguing names, but a lot of these guys aren't as explosive and their game isn't as well-rounded as a lot of these guys that were in the first tier. Uh, I'll just start at the top. Christian Miller is a guy that I absolutely love. I'm a huge fan of him, but injury concerns is the biggest thing about him. Uh, he's missed a multitude of games every single year, and he's had a list of injuries every single year. He's been at Alabama, but he has probably the most bendiness of any prospect in this draft outside of Brian Burns, in my opinion. It's just a matter of him being able to gain weight and being able to pack on the, those pounds and still maintain his explosiveness. But he has to stay healthy. That's the biggest thing about him. But I think he could prove to be a steal in the third round. But it all circles around his health. Another guy that has gotten a lot of exposure here lately is Chase Winovich from Michigan. And a lot of people kind of have a common misconception or misinterpretation out there about him that he's just a try-hard energy type of guy, but he's much more than that. I think he's best served as a 3-4 outside linebacker. So he probably could go in the late second or early third round as well. He's definitely another name to keep an eye on. All right, so uh, that's day two, JR. Uh, bring us home here. Day three, who do you like? Who are some of the upside shots in the dark? And when you get to day three, I guess a question for you, is this a place where you're looking for the straight athleticism that you can mold, or are you looking for maybe uh, you know, someone with a ton of production or a technician or something that maybe fell through the cracks because of the less than desirable measurables? Yeah, and this is where you like to take your athlete, athletic upside type of guys. Uh, Carl Grandison from Wyoming is a definite example of that. And he didn't test off the charts or anything like that, but he has a production to back it up when he was there at Wyoming. Uh, he, he needs some polish, and he needs to add a bit to his frame. He's about 6'5", 250 pounds, but he's very skinny. And I got a chance to see him down at the senior bowl. He got pushed around quite a bit, and it just shows that he didn't have a lot of sand in his pants, and he needs to – get some girth there in his lower half and also his upper half as well. Uh, Justin Hollins from Oregon is another name that I really like. I compared him to Anthony Barr coming out. Now he doesn't have the upside that Barr has, but he tested off the charts and their testing at the combine was very similar. And I would like to see a team maybe possibly try him at off ball linebacker. It's something he did play at Oregon. And you talk about a guy that was in my top 100 just because he did show a lot at Oregon as far as what exactly he could do. It's more of a projection of what he can be. And 6'5", 250 pounds. And if even a team like the Vikings were to select him in the fourth or the fifth round, I think that really would be vital just because he can play defensive end or he can play off-ball linebacker. And he has some work to do as far as his hand usage. He really doesn't know exactly what to do with them when he does get to the point of attack as a run defender and as a pass rusher. He's a guy that does like to just win up the field with speed. So keep an eye on Justin Hollins. Uh, another name that we've talked about a lot during the mock draft pod 
with Daryl Johnson from North Carolina A&T. I think he's a guy that they definitely could take a chance on as well. He tested off the charts at his pro day, didn't perform at the combine due to an injury. But he's 6'5", 255, or 6'6", I should say, 255 pounds, has that athletic upside. But another guy that just doesn't know how to use his hands right now. And he definitely could be a sixth or a seventh round selection. Well, that is awesome. And uh, I guess that that's it. We won't keep you for too much longer. I know that you probably have another three podcasts to record tonight, and you've knocked out many of these. So uh, really the last thing here is uh, if you haven't already done it, make sure you cop the draft guide. And uh, the day after this episode drops, as JR just alluded to, we will be putting out the one, the only mock draft sim that, uh, you know, JR has, has, has participated in during this draft season. So you definitely want to check that out. Listen to him really talking through the reasons that he picked some of the players that he did for the Vikings uh, with Miles Gorham there. So that's going to be a fun one. Hope you enjoy it. But that's it. That's all. We are done. We've made it all the way through the draft series. Thank you for sticking with us. Stay with Climbing the Pocket through all of draft week. We will have a ton of great content for you coming from Climbing the Pocket, coming from JR, coming from Miles. Yanka will be back in the mix. We're going to have more stuff from the Scoldiers, Flip, Skullhole. Good morning, Gallahorn will be back. So a ton of content on the way for you this draft season. So make sure you stick with us. And uh, that is it. That is all. We will talk to you soon. Have a good one.